Welcome to the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. My name is Kim Ludeman, and I am your confidence connoisseur here to help you end body shame, find freedom from the shoulds, and learn to love being you inside and out. Join me as we discuss how to break diet dependence, demystify current health and wellness trends, and help you find the confidence to feel empowered in your life. With that, let's go to the show. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Captivatingly Confident Podcast. My name is Kim and I'm your host today and every day (laughs) on this amazing journey that we're walking on together. Today we are going to talk about the four reasons that you have sugar cravings and how to beat those, how to get tools and strategies that help you overcome this really big obstacle. I mean, there is no person that doesn't struggle with sugar cravings from time to time. For some people, it is more a salty craving that they have, but I think for most of us, it's sugar. And there are lots of reasons why. Today, I just wanna cover the four that I feel like are most prevalent and the ones that are sort of the, the easier ones to start dealing with and getting strategies for and overcoming. So first, before we get to those, I want to define what we mean when we say sugar. Sugar gets tossed around a lot, and a lot of times we just think of sweet stuff. We don't think about the other forms of sugar, because there are many forms that sugar takes, right? There's fruit sugar, there's sugar that comes from milk, lactose, there is sugar that is from cane sugar or coconut sugar, you know, that sweeter type of sugar. When you ingest carbohydrates, those get turned into sugar into your body. So I think it's really important to understand the scope of sugar and its role in your life. Because you may be like a lot of people in our community who say, well, I don't really eat that much sugar. But if you have oatmeal for breakfast, yogurt for a snack, a sandwich for lunch, and then rice with your dinner, you have had sugar all day long. And your blood sugar has been responding up and down and up and down. Because what happens when we eat those simple carbohydrates and sugars is that it starts to digest immediately. So the spit that you have in your mouth That's called salivary amylase, and that amylase starts to break down carbohydrates and convert that into sugar so that you get that quick pick-me-up and that energy boost. And the problem with that is that it, it gets digested so rapidly that you get that amazing spike, but then you also get the crash. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, where you've had just sugar and then as soon as that gets digested and the effects wear off, then you just get that drop in energy and you're just like, whoa. So if you're following that pattern of eating that I was talking about, you know, like the oatmeal for breakfast or toast or pancakes or cereal and then having a carbohydrate lunch with sugars in it, you know, by 3 p.m., your body is toast 
And I think that's where a lot of the 3 p.m. crashes, slumps, fatigue, a lot of that just kind of hits the fan, if you will, and leaves you feeling like crud, literally just like cruddy. So then what do we do, right? We turn to more sugar or carbs. We turn to coffee or a energy drink and use that to get that energy back up to finish out the rest of your day. Wouldn't it be amazing if with a few simple tweaks, you could front load that and have it more balanced so you didn't have the peaks and valleys, the highs and the lows. The episode that we talk about the role of carbohydrates is episode four, and we look at macronutrients, proteins, carbs, and fats. I recommend if you haven't listened to that one, go back and take a listen because it's really important to learn how to balance carbohydrates with proteins and fats to avoid that insulin spike and that blood sugar kind of ride that we take all day. So with that, let's look at the four reasons that you have sugar cravings. And again, this doesn't mean that you're jonesing for a candy bar. It could be that you want a burger or that you want fries or you want chips. It's not necessarily a sweet craving, but really your craving is for things that are converted into sugar that give you that dopamine hit in your brain, that feel good reward center pleaser. That's what we're talking about here. So the first one is emotional. This is a huge reason that a lot of people run to the sugar. And that's again, because it gives you that dopamine hit in your brain that makes you feel good, makes you almost feel euphoric when you have that sweet treat or that crunchy chips or that gooey pizza. It feels good. We call them comfort foods for a reason because they do bring that temporary momentary comfort. The problem with the emotional eating is that it's not because we're hungry a lot of times. It's because we are trying to avoid emotions. Yes, emotions. That could be even the emotion of boredom. That could be the emotion of sadness, loneliness, irritability. Oh, there's just so many that fit into that category. And we talk more about this in the Rolls of Food podcast too, talking about how food takes on different roles for us. And this goes right along with that. That emotional feeling that we have is uncomfortable. It is. It's uncomfortable. And we don't want to be uncomfortable. Our brains move from pain to pleasure. And so your brain is like, hey, I don't like this. And you're like, whoa, I got to fix it. I got to fix it right now. And so it's the drive throughs It's the convenience store stops to grab just something, anything to quiet those emotions and keep them at bay. And the bummer about this is that a lot of times you don't even know you're doing it. And so the trick to that one is raising awareness of your emotions and your feelings, especially around mealtimes. And this is something that we do in the Captivatingly Confident small group. We always start with raising awareness of emotions and thoughts and feelings. We, we always start there because I believe that that is the foundation for moving forward in your life and understanding how to eat in a way that your body needs. So that's the first one is emotional. 
The second reason that you have sugar cravings is out of habit. Out of habit. You're an adult. You've been eating for quite some time now. And you have probably developed some habits around food. Uh, Some people are fast eaters. Some people are slow eaters. Some people are clean your plate. Some people are leftovers people. Some people like to sit up, sit when they're, sit up. Hopefully you're sitting up while you're eating. Some people like to sit up. Some people like to stand. You know, we develop habits around the way that we eat. And we also develop habits around the foods that we eat. And this comes from way back when, when you were a kid. And food was oftentimes a reward, right? When people had birthdays in school, there were cupcakes. When you won a soccer game, the team went out for pizza or ice cream. When you were hurt, you were offered food as a comfort to distract you from your feelings. And that kind of plays into the emotional one too, but we're still we're still looking at habit. Maybe you have had that 3 p.m. slump that I'm talking about and that's your struggle time because habitually you reach for something to get you through that three o'clock time. Maybe it's habit that you just have snacks throughout the day. Maybe you have just picked up habits from other people from your childhood and those carry over. A big habit that a lot of people have is sugar after a meal, dessert. Dessert can be a sticky, sticky topic. Uh, I like If you listen to Jim Gaffigan at all, he does a ton of sketches about dessert and it's funny. One of them, he says, you know, the, the meal before the meal is an appetizer and then we have our meal and then we have a meal after the meal, which is dessert. And when you start to think of it that way, you can see how it's habitual. When you go out to eat at a restaurant, oh, would you like dessert? And it's this concept that we need something sweet after a meal. And if you do that long enough, your body and brain become attached to that and you almost feel like you need it and you can't go without it. And we're going to talk about how to switch that habit at the end. The third one is being tired. When you're tired, it is pretty much the worst thing because you feel like you're dragging. You are just in a slump. You don't have the energy you need. Maybe coffee isn't even doing it for you. And you just need that energy boost. So again, you're turning to sugary or carby, carby, carby substances, or you're looking for more caffeine or that energy drink. And a lot of that is just because you're tired. You're tired maybe. And you could even say, but Kim, I get eight hours of sleep. But I question to you is, is that one enough for you? And how restful is your sleep? Are you waking up a lot? Are you a light sleeper? Do you snore? Do you have sleep apnea? Do you toss and turn? So it's not just the number of hours that you log. It's the quality of those hours. And again, we're going to talk about how to address fatigue here at the end. But this is a really big one. And understanding that can help you give yourself some grace. Because we like to beat ourselves up about our sugar cravings because they make us feel bad, don't they? So understanding that fatigue plays a big role in this is a great place to start. And the last one, and perhaps one of the most important ones, is moralizing food. This is what we do when we say, this food is good, this food is bad. This food is healthy, this food is unhealthy. 
and we moralize them. We put them into categories. And the problem with that is that then we want the foods that we have labeled as bad. Can you imagine if we labeled broccoli as a bad food? <laughs> Maybe that's just what we need to do. It's just label it bad so then we want it. Reverse psychology into eating more broccoli. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. We're getting rid of labels. So when you get rid of labels, you take away the pressure from food. You take back the power from it. Because if it's just food, so like imagine you've got a bowl of broccoli. We'll stick with that. And a Snickers bar. And you put the Snickers bar and the broccoli side by side. Immediately your brain goes to good, bad, healthy, unhealthy, right? What if we took away those labels and you just had food? And you just chose according to what you know about your body, checking in with yourself. Are you feeling emotional? Is this just a habit? Are you tired? Where are you coming from? What are you thinking about? Practicing that awareness and choosing appropriately. But we don't do that very often, do we? We kind of stick with, well, this is a, you know, they're chips. They're not good for me, so, but I just need them. Like, I just need them. And so we kind of trigger that inner rebel in our head that says, you don't get to tell me what I can and cannot eat. I want to have chips. I'm going to have chips. I'm an adult. I can have them if I want to. And that couldn't be more further from the truth. You are an adult. You can have whatever you want. That doesn't mean that it's going to get you where you want to be. Does that, does that make sense? Kind of resonate with you a little bit? So those are the four reasons that you may have sugar cravings. And it doesn't have to just be one. It can be all of them at the same time. And that's when I feel like binging comes into play is when you have multiple factors that are encroaching on your emotional space and your ability to make decisions for yourself that get you where you want to be. I am a recovering chronic binger and I completely understand this when you get into that binge zone where ain't nobody or nothing going to stop you. You are going to eat all the things. And a lot of times it comes down to a mix of these right here, the emotional state, the habit of eating, being tired and, and having that moralization of food, all of those just set you up for failure, my friends. So then you try to beat these cravings out of sheer willpower and you're just going to muscle your way through it. And friends, when you're working against your emotional self and your biological self, you may have moments of winning, but that is not going to be the overall state for you. But you can change that. You can start to take steps to change your relationship to food and how you think about it. So a lot of this is mindset, but I'm also going to give you some practical steps. So when it comes to emotional eating, being aware of your emotions. In my new guide, the Beyond Balanced Guide, we do an exercise right in the first section that looks at your physical, mental, and emotional space that you're occupying in any moment. So looking at how do I feel physically, how do I feel emotionally, and what am I thinking? What are my thoughts right now? And as you become more aware of those, you can start to 
use that awareness to make different choices. Again, this takes practice, but the more you practice, the better at it you'll become. For habits, this is a big one. You've got that habit of having sweets after a meal. So the best thing that I have found is to, one, increase the amount of fat in a meal. So we talked about uh, with the macronutrient podcast, I believe it's episode four, we talked about what different fats look like and how they work. When you have carbohydrates by themselves, they again, you get that blood sugar rush and dump. And so we want to even that out a little bit. And so by adding in more fat, which provides that slow burn effect, that slowing down, it really helps. Really, really helps. So look for ways to add in more fat and figure out which fats work best for you. The second way to break that habit is to substitute with a warm beverage. I find that tea works the best. If you need some decaf coffee, go for it. But after your meal, instead of reaching for something sweet, grab a cup of tea. It could be even a flavored tea, or maybe it's just warm water with lemon. That, it is amazing how well that works. It is a crazy little life hack that I just love because it does. It provides that warm comfort that just, you know, you can hold your cup and the steam is rising up in your face. It's just lovely. It's a lovely experience. So tea, try those two things, increasing your fat and subbing out some tea after dinner and see what that does for you. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. You got nothing to lose, right? The third thing is being tired. So again, this isn't the number of hours of sleep that you get, but the quality of those hours. So I always recommend, one, sleeping in a pitch black room, no lights, not even lights from your phone charger or your TV light. Find ways like blackout tape and tape over those so that your room is pitch black. Two, it's gotta be chilly. I think the ideal temperature, oh goodness, is it like 64 degrees? We'll have to Google search this, the ideal temperature for sleeping. But it, it's a lower temperature, so having like a fan to move the air, if you have an AC unit, we have an AC unit in our room, and we keep that sucker going until about November, just because we like to have it colder in our room. And the third thing is having some white noise. We love noise in our brains. It's the weirdest thing, even from when you're a baby on up. Having that background noise, that static, can be amazing. It can be a game changer. So white noise, black, uh, not black noise, pink noise, brown noise. There's different wavelengths of noise. You can get an app on your phone, set your phone in airplane mode and turn on that app. Or you can buy a sound machine. We have, we have sound machines all over our house for sleeping because it helps so much. So try those three things to improve the quality of your sleep and see if that doesn't reduce some of the fatigue. The second trick you can also try is increasing your water intake. The first sign of dehydration is actually fatigue. And that can be a big factor too in why you are reaching for food when you actually might just be thirsty. So 
Get a great water bottle that you really like, one that's reusable, fill that thing up all day long and sip on it so that you've got water coming in that'll help you flush out all the stuff that needs to be flushed and give you the energy that you may be missing. The fourth one is moralizing foods. And this one, I don't have a lot of really quick practical tips for because it's gonna take some time and some effort to work on removing the labels from food. That just takes time because a lot of us is, have grown up in a diet culture. And so we have diet culture mindset, which says this food is bad, this food is good. This food is healthy, this food is not. And it really takes some awareness and some practice to stop looking at food like that. Because when you do, when you stop looking at food as good or bad, healthy or unhealthy, then you're actually able to remove the guilt too. And that is an incredible feeling when you can eat something and not feel guilty. Example, we had cupcakes left over from Lewis's birthday party. And after lunch, I was just really wanting a cupcake. And so my first inclination was, well, I should just have a piece of fruit because fruit is much healthier than a cupcake. But I caught myself and I was like, you know what? I would really like to have a couple bites of a cupcake. That sounds amazing to me. So I got them down and I cut Lewis some and I took some. And you guys, that cupcake was so good. And I ate it and it was delicious and I stopped when it stopped tasting as good because food does that around three bites. Your taste buds adjust and it doesn't taste as good. So if you're eating slowly and paying attention, you'll see the shift. And as soon as that happens, you can stop eating it because then you're satisfied and it's amazing. And I feel great. And I don't feel guilty. If you had asked me five years ago if that had happened, I would have eaten six cupcakes had a stomach ache and felt like crap physically and emotionally. So it's moving again from that binging mindset to awareness, honoring the cravings that your body is having and understanding where they're coming from. And I think that this is something that there's a concept called intuitive eating where you're practicing mindfulness and you're practicing awareness. The thing that I feel like it misses is understanding where those desires are coming from. Way back when, looking as far back as your childhood for the reasons that those cravings were there. And again, there are more than four reasons. There's a lot of reasons why we crave sugar, but these are the ones that seem to be the most prevalent. And so as you practice awareness and you look at the labels of food, look at your fatigue level, your emotions, in your habits, you are gonna be able to beat those cravings. And not just beat them, but maybe sometimes you have a few bites of the cupcake or you have a few bites of chips or what have you. And then you move forward and that's it. There's no guilt, there's no emotional hangover, there's no need to binge because you've had what you wanted to the as extent that you needed it and you're moving forward. So in a lot of ways, it's not even about beating cravings as much as it is understanding them. But we like the idea of banishing cravings, don't we? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to not have to do all this emotional work? It would be great. But then you would have to do a diet and follow a protocol on how to avoid cravings when I feel like in the long run, 
This is going to be so much easier for you, friend. If you start to learn these concepts, start to put them into practice, this is going to be so much more sustainable than any diet ever could be. So while it's tempting to count calories and carbs and points instead of do this work, that is going to be so much harder to sustain than learning how to listen to your body and act accordingly. So I hope that that makes sense and I hope that this gives you a couple of tools to put into practice. If you try some of these and you like it and you're like, hey, this actually worked, tell us about it. Head over to the Captivatingly Confident Facebook group, kimludeman.com, and tell us about your success with overcoming a craving or working with a craving. And we just want to celebrate with you. Or if you're still struggling, you're like, I can't seem to get it. What am I missing? Come to the group, share, post, let us walk with you and help you learn to listen to your body in a different way. Thanks so much, you guys. I am so excited for you to try these tips and tricks and see what happens for you in your relationship with your sugar cravings. As always, I am so blessed to spend my time with you. I love you. Have a great rest of your day.